in a world where some of the greatest motion picture superheroes were lost to a snap of Thanos' fingers, our remaining heroes will do whatever it takes to bring back their friends and defeat the Mad Titan once and for all. There was an idea called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to to fight the battles that we never could. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Hey, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. This time around, we are talking Avengers Endgame. So this is the reaction, um, you know, not too long after getting out of seeing it in the theater. Originally, I recorded this when I was driving home uh, that night from the theater, so it was a much more fresh reaction. And um, when I got home and, and, you know, put the audio together and and tried to start editing everything, the audio got corrupted. So I'm having to re-record this again just a couple of days later uh, just to make sure I can get this out as quick as possible. So... Uh, this is going to be our Endgame episode. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you have not seen Endgame, don't listen any further, because I'm going to talk all about the movie. So go see it. It is well worth your time. It's a great movie. Um, I highly recommend it. If you have not seen Infinity War yet, I don't know where you might have been, but um, definitely go see Infinity War first if you have not seen that, because uh, otherwise you won't know. You, you won't necessarily understand some of the stuff going on in Endgame if you haven't seen Infinity War. So, that being said, let's get on to talk about Avengers Endgame. The movie is Avengers Endgame. It came out on the 25th of April 2019, rated PG-13, with a runtime of three hours and one minute. Directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe Russo, who also directed episodes of Community, Captain America Winter Soldier, and Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Endgame, obviously. Uh, Producers are Kevin Feige. He has done pretty much everything Marvel. Writers for this one were Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Marcus and McFeely did the Chronicles of Narnia movies together, the Agent Carter TV series, and pretty much all of the Captain America movies. Cinematography was done by Trent Opalock, who did District 9, Elysium, Chappie, Captain America Winter Soldier, and Civil War, and Avengers Infinity War. Uh, Music was done by Alan Silvestri, who did Back to the Future, Predator, Forrest Gump. The budget for this one was $356 million, and the box office is a whopping, you know, as of, uh, this is just for the the first weekend, uh, $1.2 billion, uh, and a little bit above that, for the opening weekend. Uh, domestically, I believe it was about $357 million, so they already made that back their budget in their first weekend for just the domestic U.S. box office alone. So it's just amazing, the numbers. Um, and I did appreciate the joke. I think it was Dan Slott, who's a writer for the Fantastic Four comic, uh, put up a picture of Doctor Strange from Infinity War and said, hey, it's not surprising, these numbers. Uh, this guy watched it 4 million, 14 million times by himself. Uh, that scene from Infinity War where Doctor Strange goes through and looks at the uh, 14 million different possibilities for how the whole thing would play out. Reviews so far, um, and this is just from, I think I went and got most of these over the weekend, so they could have changed slightly, but Rotten Tomatoes Critics gives it a 96%, Rotten Tomatoes Audience gives it a 93%, IMDb gives it a 92%, Letterboxd an 88%, and CinemaScore an A+. Starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man. He was in Weird Science and Back to School. Chris Evans was Steve Rogers, Captain America. He was in Fantastic Four and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. 
Mark Ruffalo is Bruce Banner Hulk. He was in 13 Going on 30 and Begin Again. Chris Hemsworth was Thor. He was in Star Trek and Red Dawn. Scarlett Johansson was Natasha Romanoff or Black Widow. She was in Under the Skin and Lost in Translation. Jeremy Renner was Clinton Barton, Hawkeye. He was in The Hurt Locker and Arrival. Don Cheadle was James Rhodes, War Machine. He was in Hotel Rwanda and Crash. Paul Rudd was Scott Lang, Ant-Man. He was in Wet Hot American Summer and Anchorman. Benedict Cumberbatch was Stephen Strange or Doctor Strange. He was in The Imitation Game and Star Trek Into Darkness. Chadwick Boseman played T'Challa in Black Panther. He was in 42 and Marshall. Brie Larson was Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. She was in Room and The Spectacular Now. Tom Holland was Peter Parker, Spider-Man. He was in How I Live Now and In the Heart of the Sea. Karen Gillan was Nebula. She was in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Doctor Who. Zoe Saldana was Gamora. She was in Star Trek and Avatar. Evangeline Lilly was Hope Van Dyne and the Wasp. She was in the TV series Lost and the Hobbit movies. Tessa Thompson was Valkyrie. She was in Creed and Annihilation. Rene Russo was Friga. She was in Ransom and the Thomas Crown Affair. Elizabeth Olsen was Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch. She was in Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, and Godzilla. Anthony Mackie was Sam Wilson or Falcon. He was in The Hurt Locker and The Adjustment Bureau. Sebastian Stan was Bucky Barnes, The Winter Soldier. He was in Hot Tub Time Machine and Gossip Girl. Tom Hiddleston is Loki. He was in Kong Skull Island and the TV series Wallander. Denai Guerrera, uh, I think I said that right, was Okoye. She was in The Walking Dead and Godzilla vs. Kong. Benedict Wong was Wong. He was in The Martian and Annihilation. Pom Clementif was uh, Mantis. She was in Old Boy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and will be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Dave Bautista is Drax. He was in WWE Wrestling and the uh, movie Riddick. Letitia Wright was Shuri. She was in Black Mirror and Ready Player One. Chris Pratt was Peter Quill's Star-Lord. He was in the Lego Movie and Parks and Rec. Josh Brolin was Thanos. He was in No Country for Old Men and Deadpool 2. Samuel L. Jackson was Nick Fury. He was in Pulp Fiction and Snakes on a Plane. Bradley Cooper did the voice of Rocket. He was in A Star is Born and Silver Linings Playbook. And Vin Diesel did the voice of Groot. He was in The Fast and the Furious and Triple X. Okay, so real quick, we're talking about Avengers Endgame, and I just want to cover a few different things that folks that I had talked to, a few people that I know who saw it before I did, saw it maybe like opening night, um, and some of the things that they had either asked me ahead of time or things that they maybe had a problem with. So uh, first, you need to see anything else, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, at least Infinity War. You're going to get a whole lot out of this if you've seen some of the other Marvel movies, but at the very least, you need to have seen Infinity War um, to know really what's going on in this movie. Is there a problem that it's a three-hour movie? Not at all. Uh, this is the probably one of the fastest three-hour movies I've ever sat through. Uh, some parts could have been tightened up just a little bit. Uh, probably didn't need to necessarily be three hours, but... It was absolutely fine. Uh, it was it was very very quick. Uh, actually, felt like a shorter movie, uh, probably than Infinity War. So, and that was over a little over two and a half hours. So, so there's that. Um, spoilers in terms of spoilers. I came in spoiler free. Uh, I had some speculations. Um, I have some questions about the future plans for their movies and TV shows. But um, you know, otherwise, I tried to go in as spoiler free as possible and. And that's where I was going into it uh, when I saw the movie uh, just a few days after it had come out. So real quick, um, initial reactions. I want to go through the plot really fast and just kind of talk through some of that. And then we will go on to just kind of my initial reactions, some things that I thought worked really well, some things I thought that they could have maybe done a little bit differently, and some of what I think might be coming up 
in the near future for some of the other movies or TV properties that they're going to be working on. So, beginning of the movie, Captain Marvel finds Nebula and Tony in space, returns to Earth. Uh, Nebula knows where Thanos is, so they go find him very quickly. This is like right away. You know, so for some people that are saying, oh man, this movie was three hours, the, the beginning dragged. Within the first little bit of the movie, you have the Avengers, the remaining Avengers. They go, they find Thanos, they beat him up. They try to get the stone so that they can fix everything. They find out he has already destroyed the stone, so it can't be undone. He's already kind of injured, too. Like, he didn't come out of Infinity War unscathed when he did all that. And uh, so then Thor swings in and decapitates Thanos. Like the little twist where he comes back and they're like, what did you just do? And he's like, I went for the head. So bringing back that, you know, you kind of see how he's still affected by... Uh, everything that happened and how he kind of still blames himself for not killing Thanos when he had the opportunity. We jump ahead to five years later. Ant-Man comes out of the quantum realm, believing he's only been gone for about five hours. Uh, he finds out very quickly what's been happening. He meets his daughter, who is now older, and uh, he theorizes that time travel is possible, that the quantum realm could be used to time travel, possibly go back in time and fix what's happened. So, uh, Tony Stark has moved on. He has a daughter with Pepper. Uh, they're married now, and uh, he's he's actually one of the few people that I think things have gone fairly well for, you know, other than losing half of the universe uh, and the people on Earth and, and all that. His life is actually kind of nice. Like, he lives out in the middle of nowhere, and he's got a family, and he's actually at peace, it seems like, for, for one of the first times. So uh, you can already tell he is one of the characters that has the most to lose because he is the one that at least on the surface, has been able to move on and keep going with life. So we get to uh, Intelligent Hulk. We find out within the last five years that Bruce Banner was able to work with the Hulk and that they were able to merge their consciousness. And so he is now Intelligent Hulk, which we get uh, in the comic books uh, at different points. So Hulk and Scott Lang are trying to perfect the idea of time travel. Uh, Tony ultimately does figure it out. I do like the one scene, they're kind of going back and forth, talking about time travel, and then they just start listing every time travel movie they can think of. You know, like Time Cop and Bill and Ted and uh, Back to the Future, and I, they just keep going back and forth. And that's I'm a huge time travel and time travel story fan, so um, I was sitting right there with them in my head, just listing off the different time travel movies and stories I could think of. Um, so we have, uh, they, they're going to go find everybody so they can kind of bring the team together and, and see if this time heist idea that, uh, using the PIM particles to get them through time in the quantum realm, this time heist that Ant-Man has come up with, they go to get, um, not Hulk, they go to get Thor and Thor has kind of let himself go a little bit. Uh, you've got some of the humor that, um, you know, Thor is now fat Thor and he's kind of lazy and he's just drinking beer all the time and, um, I'll talk about my, my opinions on Thor and, and kind of where they've taken that character in a little bit, but um, that scene in New Asgard uh, on Earth was them kind of trying to get him to come back and, and uh, join the fight to try to fix everything. So their plan is, uh, because they explain that time does not work in such a way where you can just go back and grab the stones and destroy them before Thanos gets them, because then that causes a splintering of time and you have multiple timelines and stuff like that. So they come up with this plan. They have to collect the stones from different points in history, bring, uh, bring everyone back, like come back and, and snap the fingers and get everybody back, and then return the stones to their, uh, immediately go back to 
where the stones were taken from and immediately replace them back to where they were so Thanos can go ahead and collect them all over again, snap his fingers, wipe out half the people. So um, they have to allow that to run its course, but they can come to their current time, uh, which is five years after Thanos did what he did, and bring everybody back to that time. So five years will be lost for everyone, but that's what they have to do. And that's definitely what Tony wants to have happen too, because he doesn't want his daughter erased. So, um, so that's where they're at, to be able to not disturb the timeline. That's their plan. So Hulk, Cap, Ant-Man, and Iron Man travel to New York City in 2012, uh, when you have the Battle of New York and kind of the aftermath of that. One of the things I really liked about this, I've mentioned before that I'm a big time travel story and movie fan, and I always as a kid loved Back to the Future too, and the idea that he was sneaking around just so he wouldn't have, he wouldn't bump into himself from Back to the Future 1, and where they kind of incorporated those scenes uh, into Back to the Future 2. And he just had to be very careful. And he could see what he had done in the previous movie as he's skulking around in the shadows, you know, trying to trying to take care of some other business. Um, and actually, I kind of predicted that. If, if you go back to, I think it was our episode, I wrote it down, episode number 184, uh, when we talked about my son and I came on and talked right after we had watched Infinity War. And I actually mentioned that in that episode, said I, if they do some time travel stuff, I'd love to see them do something like Back to the Future 2, where they jump back in time to different previous Marvel movies and have to affect some change in each of those. So that was really fun to get to see, uh, you know, one of my speculations, predictions uh, that came true. So that was that was really cool, especially for a time travel fan. Uh, when they're in New York City, Hulk, they kind of split up. Hulk goes to the Ancient One, to the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, and needs to get the Time Stone. He goes looking for Doctor Strange, and the Ancient One tells him, well, you're a few years too early. Uh, he's doing surgery across town. So he's talking to the Ancient One and, and tries to get the Time Stone. Uh, Cap ultimately gets the Mind Stone. There's a great fight where he's fighting himself. And uh, 2012 Cap thinks that it's Loki in disguise. And so they have this great fight with each other. The one point I really liked was when he uh, he knocks him down at one point and young Cap uh, says something like, I could do this all day. And, and older Cap goes, yeah, I, I know, I've heard it. Yeah, whatever. Um, so that was good stuff. There's another line in there too. And, uh, you know, if you obviously if you haven't seen the movie, you're probably not listening to this, but um, has to do with uh, how Cap's body looks in the pants that he's wearing and, and a comment that he makes um, about a certain uh, area of his on his body. Uh, just thought that was really funny. It was a, it was a really funny uh, callback to something that uh, Iron Man had said just a few minutes earlier. So Cap gets the Mind Stone after fighting himself. Uh, Lang and Stark don't get the Space Stone. Uh, they actually screw up, and Loki ends up stealing it and disappearing. Uh, this I'll come back to in just a little bit because there is supposed to be a Loki TV series, uh, probably on the Disney Plus streaming service. So I'm wondering if Loki stealing uh, the Space Stone somehow plays into that because now that's going to change that timeline um, that Loki escaped instead of being taken prisoner and taken to Asgard. Uh, so let's see. Um, Rogers and Stark go to... So they have to go back to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in 1970 so that they can grab the Space Stone that they didn't get before. So they go back and they grab it at a previous spot. They retrieve it there. Cap gets to see um, Peggy Carter. Stark talks to his dad for a little bit. And they also steal some extra Pym particles so that they have plenty for being able to do their time travel back and forth. Rocket and Thor go to Asgard in 2013, right about the time of Thor the Dark World. Thor sees his mother, knows that she's going to be uh, killed soon. They have to get the... Um, 
stone from Jane Foster. I think it's the reality stone is the one they're looking for there. And Jane uh, has it at that point. So they have to do that. Thor talks to his mother. Uh, and he also gets his hammer back. He also gets Mjolnir back. Nebula and War Machine get the Power Stone. Uh, they're on Morag in 2014, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first movie. Um, they can, they're hiding in the shadows and they see Peter, Peter Quill doing his dance uh, like he did at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, they basically take him out. They go get it. Uh, War Machine is able to go back to the present, but Nebula is captured by Thanos, who learned of the time heist because somehow her memories, she's connected through a network um, like a neural network kind of thing with the nebula of that current time of 2014. So you have future nebula and 2014 nebula in the same place at the same time, and somehow their you know, Wi-Fi neural net gets crossed, and the still evil nebula starts to see some memories that are not hers, but of her future self. And Thanos is able to see those, so he learns of this whole idea. He fig- figures it out pretty quickly and comes up uh, with an improvised plan to get himself the stones. So eventually um, they get back to uh, their own time, but it's 2014 Nebula disguising herself as the present Nebula, uh, and they get back to Avengers uh, headquarters. In the meantime, Hawkeye, or Ronan, I guess uh, would be his name now, as he's the he's lost his family from the beginning of the movie, and he's kind of you know jumped off the deep edge in terms of becoming an assassin. He and Black Widow go to Vormir in 2014 to get the Soul Stone. I kind of think somebody probably should have warned them that somebody needed to die to get the Soul Stone. Um, But it ends up happening, and Black Widow sacrifices herself to do that. They both are kind of fighting each other to sacrifice themselves, but ultimately she does. So they get all the stones back. They're back in the present time, which is five years after Thanos had, uh, had snapped his fingers and gotten rid of half of life in the universe. They get back. They have all the stones they place them in a new kind of Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet that he created to hold them. They talk back and forth about who's going to do it. Hulk says he's probably the only one that can do it without dying. So uh, he ends up taking it, and it does almost kill him. Like he is, He's definitely injured um, from having to do this. And so Hulk does eventually snap it, and we get the sense that people are supposedly back. You can hear more birds singing outside. Uh, Clint gets a call, phone call on his cell phone from his wife who had disappeared at the beginning of the movie. So you get the idea that everybody's back, but we don't see the rest of the Avengers or the other heroes right away. All of a sudden, uh, we, we did have a scene where 2014 Nebula had uh, messed with the time machine, brought Thanos from 2014 forward to this time, to the present, and Avengers HQ is bombed by his capital ship. Ultimately, you get this epic Iron Man Thor, Captain America. This is one of my favorite battles in any of the Marvel movies. You get the three of them fighting Thanos, and it is it does not disappoint at all. My favorite moment is when you know Thor is getting beaten down and beaten down, and all of a sudden you see the hammer just fly through the air into the hand of Captain America, and, and he's holding it. And the idea is supposed to be, you remember they had that contest, um, was it Age of Ultron? They had that contest to see who could lift it. And uh, so it flies into Cap's hand, and Thor just goes, I knew it. And all of a sudden, Cap, with his shield and the hammer, is just wailing on Thanos. Um, That was one of my favorite parts in the entire movie. Definitely an epic battle, not one to be missed. Um, I will say that I had several people who saw the movie before me warn me of this. Do not leave the theater in that last hour of the movie. You will miss some of the greatest scenes 
in a superhero comic book movie. Um, if you got to go to the bathroom, do it sometime in the first hour and a half to two hours. Do not leave the theater. Um, you know, once once the Avengers get back to the present and get all of the Infinity Stones together, don't leave the theater. Um, so let's see. Uh, we get to the point then where Thanos and Cap are fighting each other, and ultimately only Cap is left standing to fight. Um, and Thanos has even beaten him down too. Cap gets back up. Thanos unleashes his entire forces. They all line up, and you see that it's one man. It's Captain America up against Thanos and all of his. He brings in the flying whale creatures, and and I, I think there's some Chitari there, and the, the creatures that came in in Infinity War when they attacked Wakanda. The children of Thanos are there, and it's all of them against Captain America. And then crackling over his earpiece, you hear uh, Falcon, you hear Sam Wilson say, Hey, Cap, it's, it's Sam, or something to the effect that it's Sam on your left. You get that great line from, um, uh, was that Winter, I think it was Winter Soldier. And um, just a great callback to that. And, and so all of a sudden he realizes they're back. And just this amazing scene, you just all of a sudden start to see these the Doctor Strange portals, the kind of those spinning, sparking portals open up, and they are opening, there is a plethora of portals, and they're opening up all over the place, and you see fellow sorcerers that are there to help out uh, from maybe other sanctuaries around the world. Uh, Doctor Strange is there, Wong is there, you see the uh, the... Avengers that had left, uh, Spider-Man and the rest of them, um, you know, Scarlet Witch, everybody else. You have um, the Wakandans, you have Black Panther and the Wakandans show up. The Asgardians show up with Valkyrie. The Guardians of the Galaxy all show up. The Ravagers show up. Um, eventually, a few minutes later, Captain Marvel shows up to kind of save the day when they're being bombarded again by Thanos' ship. And she just tears his ship apart. And then there's a great fight. Um, there's a great fight with all the women of the Marvel movies. Uh, fighting together and, and a great fight with Captain Marvel and Thanos too when he finally gets the glove on his hand and she is holding him at bay trying to keep him from uh, closing his fist and, and snapping his fingers. Thanos does get the glove and he almost snaps his fingers uh, and then Iron Man flies in real quick and tries to take the glove off of him and can't get it and is flung back down to the ground and then Thanos reaches up and he snaps his fingers and nothing happens. Before he says that, he does repeat something that uh, his future counterpart had said earlier. Uh, before he snaps, he says, I am inevitable. And then he snaps his fingers and nothing happens. And then the camera cuts back over to Iron Man and you see him turn his own Iron Man gauntlet and it has all the stones in it. And he just looks at him and he says, I am Iron Man. And then he snaps his fingers, flash of white. And Thanos and the rest of his army are reduced to dust, and they're gone. Um, we end the movie with Iron Man's funeral. Uh, we do have a scene where an older Captain America, Cap, goes back in time to put the stones back where they're supposed to be. He's supposed to return five seconds later in our time. Uh, he does not come back, and they don't know why. And then a couple minutes later, they see an older man sitting on the edge of a lake by the Avengers HQ or wherever they're at. Um, actually, I think that's Iron Man's house. I think it's Tony and, and Pepper's house. Uh, see him sitting by the lake there. Turns out it's old Cap, uh, that he went back in time, and instead of coming back to the present, he decided, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go find Peggy, and we're going to live our life together. And the movie ends uh, with Cap handing the shield off to Falcon and then showing that he did choose to go and, and live a life with Peggy. And uh, one of the final scenes of the movie is him dancing uh, with Peggy in their house. Um, and just a, just a great way to end the movie. 
So really quickly, I'm gonna go through some positives, a few negatives, I had a few negatives, um, but some positives overall. Loved this movie, it was a great movie. The scenes, you know, it, it, it hit almost all the points I would have expected from a classic superhero crossover event. I grew up reading comics. At least once a year, you'd have these massive crossovers between, um, you know, all the characters in a particular company, um, whether it's all the X-Men coming together, all the Marvel characters, all the DC characters, whatever it was, you'd have these huge events. And this movie was one of those huge events. I love time travel. This movie had time travel in it. It had time travel with superheroes. It was outstanding. So that part, I love that part too. It fulfilled all the, you know, the predictions that I had about there being some of those like Back to the Future 2 moments where you got to sneak around and not bump into your other self. Um, those were great. I loved all those moments and seeing all those. The action sequences were amazing. The fights were insane. The Cap Thor Iron Man versus Thanos fight was one of the best fights, one of my favorite fights in any of the Marvel movies up to this point, especially when Cap gets a hold of the hammer. When he's got Mjolnir and his shield and he's just letting loose on Thanos, that was great. The Cap versus Cap fight was great when you have the two Captain Americas fighting each other. The humor was good. You know, you had a, you still had humor in this movie just like you did in the other movies. It was good. Um I don't want to have this be too much in my positives because it's not a positive for me. Um, the Thor stuff is still a little bit overdone. I don't like goofy, whiny Thor. And I'll talk more about that here in just a second. But that's, um, you know, otherwise the rest of the humor pretty well done. Um, so some of my negatives. Um, it was not as suspenseful or emotionally impactful as Infinity War. Uh, one of our co-hosts, Dennis, and I have had a chance to talk a little bit um, back and forth, and, and I'm going to share something he said. I'm not going to steal it from him because it was a, a great idea, and how we, I wish he could go back in time and uh, you know give that to the writers and, and tell them to include that line at the end of the movie. I'll tell you what it is in just a second, but he and I actually both agreed. Um, my initial thoughts that I had recorded right after seeing the movie theater without talking to anybody else was... I think I like Infinity War better. I think Infinity War was a better movie, and here's why. I was not in as much suspense for this movie. Like, Infinity War, I knew, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I had no idea who was going to die, how it was going to happen, how he was going to collect the stones, any of that stuff. In this movie, I, I knew they were going to fix it. Like, I, I had a really good sense, because I've read comic books before, I knew they were going to fix it. It wasn't going to stay broken. So I kind of knew what was going to happen. Not not detail-wise, but just big picture-wise. I knew what was going to happen. Infinity War was such an emotional movie with the way some of those deaths happened that when they did happen, when the permanent deaths happened in this movie, I didn't feel them the way I felt them in Infinity War. I'll give you some examples. The way that Black Widow died was the same way that Gamora died. I felt the Gamora death so much more, um, and, and particularly what I think what was striking was it was the villain who killed her, and yet it was still a really emotional death um, because he did genuinely care for her. You had to sacrifice someone you loved in order to get the Soul Stone, so that was a side of Thanos that we didn't really get to see too much. Um, so that was definitely something that you know hit me a little bit more, and I love the Black Widow character, um, but really when she died, I, I was like, okay. Well, I, I guess one of them had to go, and that's kind of sad. But when Gamora died, I mean, I, when I was sitting in the theater and they came to that scene, maybe it's because I knew someone was going to have to die when they went to that planet. Because I didn't know that going into Infinity War, and it was such a shock when you discover you got to sacrifice someone. 
Um, so there was that one. When Tony Stark dies, I thought he was going to die in Infinity War. So when he died in this one, I was just kind of like, not that I don't like Tony Stark or Iron Man, but when he did die, I was like, oh, okay, well, finally. He, not that I wanted him to go, but I'm like, okay, I kind of expected you to go a while ago. So, all right. You cannot compare, at least for me, for me, you cannot compare with when the snap happened and everybody started to turn to dust and you had Rocket watching Groot disappear. You had, even before that, when you had, um, when um, Wanda, Scarlet Witch, had to, for all intents and purposes, she had to kill Vision uh, in order to prevent Thanos from getting the stone. That was emotional. You had, um, you know, when you had all the people being turned to dust, especially, especially the Peter Parker disappearance, when he is grabbing on to Iron Man, to Tony Stark, and he's apologizing and he's just saying he's just this kid that was in the middle of this battle. And you finally, he's a hero and he was doing all this, but you get a sense of just how much of a kid he is when he's begging, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And he just turns to dust in Tony's hands. And that, I, I have watched that movie about five times now, and I still choke up every time I get to that scene. I can't watch that scene and not get choked up. Um, that just, it didn't happen for me in uh, Endgame. Endgame, great movie, but I didn't feel it emotionally the way I did Infinity War. I've mentioned before, when I went to go see Infinity War, uh, both times, I saw Infinity War twice, both times, early on in the showings, maybe the, the opening weekend and maybe a, a few days after the opening weekend or a week after the opening weekend, in those last five to ten minutes of that movie, the theater was silent, absolutely silent. Not a cough, not a sniff, not anything. And that didn't happen in this movie. Like People were excited. People were cheering at different parts of this movie. But there wasn't that same impact, I feel like, that we got from an Infinity War. So if I'm looking at the two movies together, originally this was Infinity War Part 2. Um, I've got to give the better movie to Infinity War Part 1 um, in terms of battles and fight scenes and things like that. I think they're both pretty close. i got to give some of them to Endgame. Um, great resolution to it, though. I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying any of this because I didn't like the movie. Loved the movie. Thought it was great. Um, Goofy Thor drives me insane. I think I've said before, I was not a fan of Thor Ragnarok. I thought Thor Ragnarok was a great Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I thought it was even a pretty good uh, Hulk movie. I did not think it was a good Thor movie. I, I know it sells, and that's what everybody's been telling me. It's like, well, you know, the Thor movies, you know, one and two didn't sell. Thor and, and Thor Dark World... They didn't do very well, so they had to switch up the character and see what worked. And, you know, money talks, and that's great. But to me, that's not the character of Thor. Like, the character of Thor is, you know, it's 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 almost like a He-Man. It's, it's Shakespearean. He's a king, or he's, you know, working towards being a king. And this just goofy Guardians of the Galaxy kind of humor and attitude, it just does not fit with what I think of as the character of Thor. If that's the way they're going, that's totally fine. And it makes sense for why he'd be teaming up with the Guardians now. And I guess if they're going to be the Asgardians of the galaxy. Um, it makes sense. Totally makes sense. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not arguing with that. I'm not saying, I'm never watching a, a Marvel movie ever again. I'm just saying, that's not, when I think of Thor, that's not what I think of. So that just, that rubs me the wrong way a little bit when I get kind of a goofy, whiny Thor. Um, what else? I, I would have liked to see more scenes from past movies. That would have been kind of cool. I think there would have been some parts. 
I have some friends who said that the first act kind of moved a little slow. And yes, in parts, it did move a little slow. I, I would have liked to have maybe traded some time there to see some more stuff later on. Um, Dennis had mentioned, because I know Dennis is not going to be able to jump in and, and record this with me um, before we get this put out. But Dennis had mentioned that, uh, you know, he would have liked to have seen a little bit more with the Gamora who comes from 2014 and is back, but doesn't know Peter Quill and, um, you know, kicks him in the crotch and she doesn't love him. She doesn't know him. So that relationship is not there. It would have been interesting to see maybe a couple more minutes with that. Uh, Black Widow didn't get a funeral. Like, Tony got a funeral. Uh, Black Widow's dead. Like, she's at the bottom of a cliff on Vormir, and nobody gave her a funeral, but they, you know, sent the flowers with the little Iron Man uh, proof that Tony Stark has a heart thing down the river. Uh, a little sad she didn't get a funeral. Uh, would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of Captain Marvel. Like, I kind of felt like I was expecting her to be used more in this movie, and it, it didn't happen as much. What we got was fine. I uh, would have expected maybe just a little bit more since she just got introduced in her other movie. Would have liked to have seen maybe a real quick interaction with her and Nick Fury, but that didn't happen either. That's okay. Um, real quick, missed opportunities. This is the only one I'm going to say because Dennis it, Dennis needs to just like go write movies and, and he could be a writer for one of the next Marvel movies. And when he told me this, I was I thought of some different ways that I thought would be perfect way for them to end this movie. And when Dennis told me his, I'm like, oh man, that, nope, that that's it. Like that would have been the perfect way to end this movie. Um, and you can email or, or message us and let us know if you agree or not. Um, Dennis said what he thought would have been great for the movie would be you see the final scene of um, Steve Rogers and Peggy are dancing in the living room of their house. And that as the as the screen fades to black, you just have Cap, you know, say or whisper in her ear, I could do this all day. Just taking that line, turning it around to finally he's at peace. Finally, he doesn't have to fight anymore. And he's turning it into just like he's taken control of his life and he's turned it into something sweet. Um, same way he takes that line and turns it into something that's very sweet and, and peaceful. So that, that would be the one that, uh, if I could make any changes, if we could go back in time, have some kind of a time heist for the, um, for the script of this movie, we would have dropped that one in there, but that's just, that's our take on it. And that's totally Dennis's. I'm not stealing his idea. I just wanted to share that because I thought it was so good. Um, so Dennis props to you for, um, you know, having a better ending than what we saw, like the ending, saw the movie, like the ending, love the movie, love the ending, but that to me would have been great. Like that would have been a great way to end this movie. Okay, very, very quickly, what's next? Well, there's supposed to be a Black Widow movie, but now the Black Widow movie is going to have to be a prequel, which then to me is like, well, okay, then there's no, what are the stakes? We know she's not going to die. Um, so now she just gets to be kind of like a, she'll be a guest star that maybe pops up in other Marvel movies that take place in the past, or I don't know. So she's supposed to be permanently dead. Nobody in comics permanently dies. I guess we'll see where this goes. Uh, WandaVision. There's a WandaVision TV series with Scarlet Witch and The Vision, and he dead. So and he didn't come back in this movie. So they're gonna have to figure out some way to bring him back as well. I'm sure he's, you know, maybe he got downloaded somewhere and he still exists. But there's just a few things that I'm just not sure how they're gonna be handling those in the future. I think that's all I got. So I just wanted to do real quick kind of reactions to this movie. Really enjoyed the movie. If you haven't, well, if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't be listening to this. Um, but if you have seen it and you've kind of taken some of what I've said, I need to go see this movie again. You should go see this movie again. Um, 
it was really fun. I mean, as a comic book fan, to see that scene in particular when the portals opened up and all the heroes showed up, I'm just sitting there and I immediately became a 10-year-old kid again. Like, I cannot believe what I am watching on this movie screen. I never in my life would have expected that I would see something like this in a movie. Um, you know, this is even, this is just, this is beyond imagination at this point. So, so thank you, Marvel, for wrapping this, this 10-year, 11-year story up um, in a really satisfying way. Great movie. Um, you know, thank you, not that they're listening, but thank you to all the actors, to everybody who put all the work in to do these movies. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. And I would love to hear what you thought of the movie too. So if you've got thoughts that you want to share on the movie, please get in touch with us. You can tweet us, you can jump on Instagram, you can go to Facebook, you can email us. Um, we are 30 podcast pretty much everywhere. Um, you can call into the voicemail line 872-356-6843. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought of the movie, too. We'd love to hear from you all. And um, if you've got anything else that maybe we missed, uh, didn't jump too much into other Easter eggs or things like that. This is meant to just be kind of a reaction uh, to seeing the movie and just wanting to get my thoughts out and kind of process some things out loud. So, But yes, we'd love to interact with you, see what you thought, and uh, we'll go from there. So um, next up I think next up is uh, Cannonball Run, I believe. I think we're starting our month of movies we missed, so we're doing Pat's movie from 1981, Cannonball Run. After that, the 1989 movie Dream Team was Bo's pick, and then the week after that will be An American Werewolf in London. Week after that will be Jeff's pick is E.T. Um, and we're going to try to get Dennis one in there too, but, um, but those are the four that we got coming up so far within the next four weeks. So, Avengers Assemble, be excellent to each other, go watch some good movies. <laughs>